and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Raider Power Podcast. I'm Ryan, and with me as always is my man Moss and our boy Evan. How are we doing today, fellas? Man, Ryan, I am, uh, I'm doing good. I'm hopeful. I'm doing good. Spirits have been better, but um, I'm doing all right. Evan, how are you doing, my man? Uh, doing good. As always, a little tough after a loss, but had some time to digest it and got to move forward. That sigh at the beginning kind of really told your attitude here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel uh, like uh, I'm just frustrated. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get your hopes up, you start playing well, and then you come out with a big home game. We talked about how this is going to be, you know, a big momentum game. You win this and you keep going, and all of a sudden you're looking great for a good bowl game. You come out and you put up this goddamn goose egg of a performance. And, and uh, it just kind of takes the wind out of your sails, and I am just wildly frustrated with this team. Well, Evan was at the game. You know, representing. Uh, so, Evan, can you give us our, your thoughts about was, the homecoming? What was that attitude right there? Was it because I'm not representing, Chris? What's your attitude, buddy? Hey, hey, I'm just trying to get to our, our guy here that travels. So, You know what? We had some good attendance. Um, but I'll tell you, it's hard to keep the crowd in it when you go down 20 zip. Um, you could tell the momentum, especially, or not even the momentum, but the energy from the student section slowly – uh, left the Jones kind yeah. of in a progression. But um, to be honest, I don't necessarily blame them. I thought that there wasn't a whole lot to be excited about during this game. Um, not to take away from our guys. I thought that they played as hard as they could, of course. But, man, it was a frustrating game to watch. It was a frustrating game to be at. And um, I, don't, I don't know much else to say on, on that. So – what would you say the percentage of the stadium being full was? Because when they kicked off, it looked like when we were receiving at our end, it was kind of empty over in that corner. It was really full at it first. Was? It really was. Um, you think it was 90%, 80%? What? I'd say I'd say over 90% oh, full. Really? Okay. So people came out. They, they came out, and, and I don't blame them. I don't think anyone should, you know. Um the Jones is, is something to be proud of, and unfortunately we didn't get it done. But we can get into the reasons why, but it definitely was a disappointing sight to see as a fan um, putting up a mediocre performance against Iowa State. So let's just recap this game from start to finish. So, you know, we've been electing to receive – or I'm sorry, to defer for kickoff. And, you know, we came out and we received the ball first, Correct. Yeah, but that means they deferred. That's what no, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We got the we ball lost first. The coin toss. We we yeah. we lost the coin toss. We got the ball, and we put up like a three and out, right? Yeah, we didn't go anywhere. I mean, there was just no energy at the start of this game. We looked bad on both sides of the ball. And the thing is, the offense has been coming out slow for the majority of these games. I, know. Like, I, I wasn't that surprised to see it. But it kind of sucks when that happens, and what you have to say to yourself is, all right, well, we need a good punt here, and we need the defense to put up a shutout in the first quarter for another game straight. And when you don't get that, then exactly like you said, you know, 20 nothing quick and a slow start by the offense. It's like you start a game like that, and you're fucked. And I don't know if that's a coaching issue. I, I'm not sure because it's reoccurring. I don't think it's I don't think it's on the players. I feel like it's almost like a coaching issue. Like they're not getting the players ready to come out. 
Well, what I'd say to that is when you look at a lot of the the great offensive minds in pro football and in college football, a thing that a lot of them do, I mean, Andy Reid's a pioneer of it, is scripting your first drive. Yes. You game plan for the opponent. You know their weaknesses. You know what you can do to exploit them. And the first drive, you should have scripted, ready to go, and take advantage of them on the first drive. They'll adjust, but when you first come out and hit them, that's how you get a good start. That's how you hit them in the mouth. That's how you take an early lead. And I was kind of segueing into that because we saw that with Cliff game after game. And I'm, I'm right. I mean, he would come out. It seemed like he already had 10 plays you know, locked and ready to go. And the mm-hmm. offense always came out hot. I haven't seen that with this team. I mean, to be honest with you, man, I don't want to put too much blame on the guy, but our offensive play calling was atrocious this game. It yeah, really was. I, I totally agree with you. But, I mean, I mean, think about it. I We called a terrible, terrible offensive game. I mean, far too many screens, far too often. We didn't give enough chance for the deep ball. And, and yeah. I'm talking to friends and family about it, and it's, oh, because they don't have confidence in Duffy. We saw Duffy go deep once, I think, in the third quarter to Mannix, and he missed him, which would have been for six. But when we're down in that game, we never even saw anything of of the kind for the rest of the game. I mean, we didn't even try the deep ball for the rest of the game. We didn't even give him a shot. And it was really frustrating for me to sit there and watch and say, you know, we're doing a we're doing a great job offensively. We're calling the right plays. No, we weren't, man. We weren't giving us a chance to move the ball down the field because they had our number all game long on those stupid little bubble screens that we ran the whole time. And, and the craziest part is they were still in the game. They only lost by 10. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that missed field goal by, you know, that small of margin, it would have been a 10 point. I mean, sorry, a seven point game, one possession ball game. And if we look at Jet Duffy, I mean, he was 40 for 52. He threw the ball 52 times. But, Evan, I cannot agree with you more. I was screaming at my TV, why don't you go deep? Why don't you I mean, go deep? It was and, and those completions are a little deceptive because exactly. the majority of them were all little – even in, you know, one, two-yard passes out in the flat. I mean, I mean, if, was, if you look at it, it's, it's 40 for 52 for 239 yards. That's less than 4.5 yards an attempt. Yeah, uh, throwing the ball. That is insane. That that's means you're just going check down Charlie. And like you're saying, you're throwing screen, swing pass, screen, swing pass. There's nothing downfield. And I don't really understand why. We have talent at wide receiver. I mean, we can go down the list. Everyone's got speed and for what? Good hands as well. And then we might have one of the most explosive wide receivers in college football, not even the Big 12, you know, at least top 20. And uh, we're not taking advantage of him with TJ Vasher. I mean, I mean, he, Duffy was averaging, I think, five point not. I think I'm I'm looking at it, five point nine yards per completion. That's just not going to get the job done. That just shows the lack of explosive plays on our end. I mean, uh, it was it was a frustrating game. It was a frustrating game. But you know, to his credit, like we've seen it work with Yost. I I just think he might get too you know narrow minded, or at least you know have the blinders on that this is going to work every game because. We, we've seen it work, right? We saw it work against Baylor. We saw it work against Oklahoma State. And if you look even to, like, you know, the what – did, what did Matt Wells say? The cupcake games? We saw that work too. But Iowa State's defense is just too talented, you know, that they're not going to – that they're going to miss tackles left and right. It just – it's not going to happen. I feel like whenever we're playing from behind, 
he calls a completely different game. Exactly. And when we're playing ahead, he takes more chances, which you would think would be the opposite. But yeah, exactly. Absolutely. These games, absolutely. You got the lead, and we're throwing these. You're letting Duffy throw downfield. It's like you know, you're not afraid of the defense taking over if we if you know we turn it over quick. Instead, he runs these short plays, and we still flip the ball over quick because we're getting one two yards of play. Right. I mean, I could not agree with you more. It seems like. You know, Yost is calling an almost scared game plan. And and I kind of want to – that kind of even translates to how Duffy was playing. It seemed like he was he was scared to run the ball in some situations where he could have picked up a first down. I don't know if you guys saw that too, but he elected to kind of, you know, throw these shovel passes when he had a clear lane to get four or five yards on the ground. But he might be nervous about taking a big hit and then who's your QB. Yeah, that's fair. But to Duffy's – credit or, or really to his defense rather I can see him saying why are you not giving me chances let me throw the ball downfield yeah and a crazy why, way to why, look why, at it why is you calling this game let yeah. me let me have a shot here we I mean it's not like they were in front we had to ha- we had to play aggressive and we did the opposite yeah you're right I mean Duffy executed the game plan that they gave him yeah I mean his stat line shows that he didn't turn the ball over he was he was his completion percentage was 80 percent like he executed their game plan, but the offensive game plan was shit. Yeah, exactly. Well put, Ryan. <laughs> well put. Well, One highlight for me on offense, though, Sir Roderick Thompson continues to be a great running back. Yeah, he only got to carry the ball ten times, but once again, averaged over five and a half yards of rush. When we're down at the goal line, we need a touchdown. You can count on him to punch it in. Uh, I mean, that kid's great. Yeah, he's going to be a weapon in the future for sure. You know, he's only a freshman. Did you know that? Freshman? Yeah. Or sophomore? He's a freshman? Isn't he a freshman? Whatever. I thought he's, Thompson was a sophomore. He's got Either a way, he's got, more time. he's got a lot of time left. you got a lot of time left. Now, we've talked about what we did wrong on the offensive side of the ball, and and, and this week we saw Keith Patterson struggle on yeah, the defensive I, side of the ball. Can we I really lead did. off here? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously the slow start, letting them score early was bad, but for me, it was the run defense. The run defense couldn't have been worse it's something that we've seen that great performances out of the team out of the front seven so far this season but you let this kid this true freshman Brees Hall I mean he averaged nine and a half yards a carry on 19 carries he ran 183 yards on us and I felt like he just kept beating everyone to the corner they weren't running anything tricky they're running the same thing repeatedly and he just kept going now I'm going to take a play out of your book too Ryan havoc plays explosive plays Iowa State had Tons of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Iowa State had so many dang explosive plays. They, in their five scoring drives, they averaged 4.8 plays. Oh, my God. 4.8 plays in their five scoring drives. Okay. They had three touchdowns in three plays or less. That is absolutely unacceptable. Okay. Let me give you the flip side of that. We averaged 13.7 plays on our four scoring drives. So that's a little bit of a stark contrast for you. But we allowed far, far, far too many explosive plays from the Iowa State offense to give us a chance to win the game, plain and simple. I mean, if you look at their their three of their receivers, if you look at the Tariq Milton, their wide receiver, you look at the running back, Brees Hall, and tight end, who I know you want to talk about, Chris, Kohler. All three of them averaged 25 yards a catch, and between them, they had 10 catches. Yeah, you're just not going to win a ball game like that. No. I What I will say about Patterson, though, to his credit, he made adjustments. 
he made adjustments and it seemed like they happened fast. I mean, it, it looked like the defense was a different team in the second half than what they came out in the first half. It looked like they got comfortable. I mean, we outscored them in the second half of this game. And to their, you know, to Iowa State's credit and Brock Purdy's credit, they played a, you know, a great game, you know, a great offensive game. And it showed that our defense can hang with them in the, in the second half, right? But we just need to start faster because now, Chris, you'll you'll have to forgive me. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. You think so? I don't. I don't think that we did make adjustments. Mm. I think that Patterson stuck to the man-to-man defense when it clearly wasn't working. We could not get to Purdy. We refused to run zone defense, and and we just kept getting burned and burned and burned. I would have liked to see us run a little more zone for for whatever reason. We decided to stick with the man. Um, and, and I thought that that was a bad decision because it was like, okay, sooner or later, this is not working, Patterson, and you're not making an adjustment. That's my opinion. And, and you're right. And the problem with man is when you can't get to the quarterback. And, you know, we've been getting to the quarterback all season, but this game we didn't get to the quarterback. And when you have your guys out there, they get hung out to dry, and eventually someone's going to get open. I mean, you got to get the pressure up front, and that's where it starts for me. But that is not to Patterson's you know, this is the Patterson's credit is that he blitzed 25% of the time is what he said. 25% of the time they blitz Oklahoma state. He said 14% of the time. So he was trying, he was trying to bring pressure. It just wasn't happening, but I didn't want the pressure when the pressure wasn't working. We needed to back off and have a little more protection in the secondary and be able to protect the deep ball. Like I said, Iowa state's I mean, they burned us. I mean, they burned us on the run, too. Don't get me wrong. But I, I thought we should have ran some more zone, man. That's just me. So Those runs, man. The second half. Those two long runs in the second half. I was ready to punch a hole in my TV. <laughs> so, Evan, I, I do agree with you. And I also disagree with you. Because from what, you know, he's came out and said is that Brock Purdy, when he's is a great quarterback, and he's got vision with the best of them. But when he's under pressure, he tends to make bad decisions, and they were trying to force turnovers. And they said he's a totally different quarterback when the pressure gets there. So from playing from behind, they wanted to get the Brock, force turnovers to get themselves back in the game. And I respect that. I do, Chris. It just but wasn't I feel, happening. It wasn't I, happening. Exactly, exactly. And at some point, it's like, okay, what do I want to do here? If, if getting to the quarterback's not working, what are we going to do? And it's not like we could shut down the run either. I mean, think about it. We're down, what was it, 21-7 at half. 20. Okay, we're get, 20 to 7 at half. We're getting the ball back. We come out. We put points on the board. Uh, and then the, the very next ensuing drive, yeah. I stayed on the first play for 75 yards and a touchdown. I mean, it was one like, play. That was a killer. They, they took all of the wind out of the sails that we had. I mean, that was the most deflating play of the game. By far, in my opinion. I, I mean, and the craziest thing is we come back and we score again at the end of the third quarter to make it a 10-point game once again. And what happens on the next drive? Boom. A 30-yard touchdown run yeah. on like a four-play drive. Yeah. I mean, it's just I, – I, I mean, we talked about how Yost was not playing, you know, aggressive. Patterson was trying to play aggressive from behind to get his team back in it. So – Honestly, I have no problem with Patterson in this game. I honestly thought he tried. I mean, he tried with what he was given, and it just they just couldn't get there. They just couldn't. And we saw Purdy yeah. evade pressure very well. I mean, he there was a couple situations where he could have been sacked for a loss, and he got out of it. I mean, my biggest problem was with getting heads to the ball. I mean, 
when those long runs, it's not like he was breaking a lot of tackles. He was just getting around one guy, and where was the rest of the defense? I mean, I just don't understand how it happens. Now, big picture, Iowa State has had our number the past yeah. few years. Big picture, coach? why is it? Why is it? Because I, I mean, th- that coach was his Campbell. Yeah. Right? He, he's undefeated against Texas Tech in his tenure at Iowa State. And he's undefeated in the month of October. Did you know that? Which is really weird. They kept saying it repeatedly. I know. <laughs> I know. Now, this is going to sound anti-Cliff, and I promise it's not. But you got to think about what we've done compared to what we've done the past three attempts against Iowa State, okay? Under Cliff Kingsbury, the last three games against Iowa State, 10 points is what we put up, 306 yards, 4.4 yards per play. 13 points, 336 yards, 4.1 yards per play. 17 points, 363 yards, 4.5 yards per play. Matt Wells, this game, 24 points, 407 yards, 4.7 4.7 yards per play. Even though our offense wasn't what we wanted it, we've done better than we have the past three attempts against I, Iowa State. I, the one I, thing I'll say about that <laughs> is, you know, you look at those yards per play, and they're basically the same across the board, and I think we scored more because we kept getting the ball quick because they scored in a second every time they got the fucking ball. You know what we should do is just have a little segment for Evan to hate on Cliff. See, <laughs> I hate that. I knew I, you were going to say it because – I love Cliff. We can talk about it later. I'm stoked that he got a win for the Cardinals this weekend. I, I, I like the guy. I really do. That wasn't an anti-Cliff segment. It's I'm saying that it's not like Matt Wells was far, far worse than what we've done against Iowa no, State. Past I, I, three, I agree. Three matchups. The problem is I don't know why we can't beat Iowa State. I, I mean, like, either, it it's like Campbell. Us. If Campbell had Cliff's number, that's one thing. But completely different coaching staff and a different style of play. And he has their number, too. Like, I don't get it. I mean, it's not like this is even the same Iowa State team. They lost their two biggest superstars last year, and Hakeem Butler and Montgomery, and all of a sudden they come out with a whole new group of kids, and they do the same fucking thing. Let's just give credit where credit is due. Iowa State is a really good football team. They are. And we talked about it at the beginning of the year, and they they might not have the record that we thought that they would, but I tell you, they look every bit as good as I thought that they would. I thought Iowa State looks like a really, really solid football team. I agree with you, Chris. And, and Chris, I want to give you a second uh, talking about the Iowa State solid football team to talk about uh, your guy Kohler that you were freaking out about the whole time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this guy is an absolute unit. He's 6'5", 6'6". He looks like he's, you know, 200, 250. He just could not be stopped. Easy 250. I don't, I don't understand why we were allowing McPherson to go one-on-one with this guy. Because there was no chance that he was going to stop him. He were lucky that he wasn't playing the entire game. Because I mean, when, I, when I was watching him, I mean, it looked like an NFL player going against a high school player. That guy... It was, it was nuts. He got targeted five times, and he caught the ball three times for and he got 80 yards and two touchdowns like when he when they threw him the ball you're right they had one guy on him who was a good half foot shorter and they just threw it high and he caught it this man that's all it was this man's must not be that athletic because he should be the greatest tight end in college football at that (laughs) man's side because he was looking like Rob Gronkowski out of the, out there, right? Against playing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, Let's not get I, too I, far ahead I, of ourselves I, here. I, Gronk is a whole other animal. Against who we had going one on one with him. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's that's all I'm saying. We made him look like one of the greatest tight ends to ever play football in this game. It, it was just kind of ridiculous. Now, now, gentlemen, um, I'm going to be honest with you. There, in my opinion, not a whole lot of positives to take away from this game. Here's one potential positive. 
We've seen Matt Wells, in my opinion, respond to adversity way, way, way better than the previous coaching staff. Okay, so we're going to roll into Kansas next oh, week. Oh man, homecoming! I got, I got a lot to say We're only about three-point this. favorites against Kansas. No, 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 and that's for a reason, man. They well, listen. Good. Look at look at what they almost did to Texas. They, they lost forty-eight to fifty in Austin, and they should have won that they game. They should have won that game, man. They should have won that game. But going into Kansas, okay, we got to bounce back. We got to have a we got to have a short memory. We got to reset, and we we have to win in Kansas if we want to be bowl eligible. We have to. Yeah, I agree with you, Evan. Not math, not mathematically. But from from the confidence of our team, if we lose in Kansas, we're done. In my opinion, right, we have 100%. got we have got to bounce back. Hundred percent. And um, and we I could not be one, playing them at a worse time, to be honest. And, uh, one other quick Absolutely. stat about uh, the guy Kohler who torched us: the guy only has five hundred thirty reception or receiving yards and seven touchdowns in his three years at Iowa State, and he had eighty and two against us. Okay. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, that's outrageous. But, uh, Ryan, yeah, come on no. now. You're holding us back. We're trying to look ahead to more positive times. I'm stuck you're in bring, the past. You're bringing me back to my my dark mind frame right now. Looking ahead to my second favorite team in the Big 12, Rock Shop, Jayhawks. And, Evan, you were saying that they just came off a brutal defeat in a game that they should have won at uh, against Texas. And uh, watching that game kind of scared the living hell out of me because they looked good absolutely they looked really good it wasn't it wasn't just uh what's his name puka puka yeah. williams puka williams. it wasn't it wasn't just the running attack they were shredding ut yeah. from from an air raid offense i mean they were killing them and that's going to be bad news if we can't figure out what's going on and the, the crazy and they also played oklahoma closer than we played them Les Miles, man. Top back. He's got I those mean, they, boys they are ready. O, they're 0-4 in the Big 12. So they have lost every Big 12 team. They lost to West Virginia at, when they were at home. They got dusted by TCU. But ever since then, like you guys said, they, they played Oklahoma 45-20. Obviously not great game, but whatever. And they did have the bye week going into Texas to, to game plan for them. But either way, they put up 48 points against this Texas Longhorns team. And the, like that is scary. And the only reason that they lost that game was because of a blocked uh, extra point where Texas ran it back. That's the only reason they lost yep. that game. And they missed a field goal right out of the gate, too. But they had that game in their grasps. And, you know, Dicker the kicker came out and won it for him. Uh, you know, walk-off field goal. I, w- I was really cheering for him in that game. but uh, I was I was, too. But like I said, gentlemen, having a short memory is crucial here. We gotta we gotta refocus. We gotta head into Lawrence knowing that it's essentially a must win game. And I really do think that we're gonna be ready to play. I expect a better performance against the Jayhawks than we saw um, last week against Iowa State. You know what's scary is that we couldn't stop the run against Iowa State and Kansas has the premier running back in the Big Twelve with Puka Williams. So that that is the main issue we're gonna have to figure out. I think what we have to do is kind of go back to what we were doing in this game. We need to stack the box. We need to make sure we have the front seven up there to contain the running back, like you said, because it is a premier running back in the Big 12. And the second thing we have to do is we have to take advantage of when this quarterback misses. I mean, he, he did throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns against Texas, but he missed a lot of throws. And he missed a lot of throws the past two games, too. And we need to take advantage and cause turnovers. 
Yeah, Stan. I mean, Stanley played a great game against Texas, but watching it, he uh, he t- makes some risky throws, and we do have the leader in the FBS with interceptions with Douglas Coleman. So I'm expecting our boys to be uh, Hawks out there, and rock chop the Jayhawks against the, <laughs> Very against, nice. against the Jayhawks. So I, I I see us winning the turnover battle in this one. I mean, and to go back to what you brought up earlier, my favorite stat: havoc, Evan. Uh, Kansas is hundreds in the country and ca- havoc allowed, and they don't cause havoc on defense. We still are one of the best teams on offense and not allowing havoc since we just, you know, dink and dunk. But our defense needs to show up like they have before, cause these turnovers, win us the possession of the, of the, the field position battle, and get the offense from short fields to score some points. And yeah, couldn't, it, couldn't it, agree with you more. And it comes down to this coaching staff to come out hot because we are what? We're, we have lost every single game on the road. They need to figure out how to get it done. They need to figure out how to get this team excited on the road, bring them together, and come out and just crush Kansas from the get-go. Yeah, we got to start fast. No question about it. I mean, we've seen us start slow throughout multitude of games this year. I think starting fast will be key. I think our defense is going to step up. I think that the key to this game, offensive line playing well, giving Jet Duffy time, and offensive play calling, please be better this game. Please. We know you're listening, Yost. Enjoy your Diet Dr. Pepper and Skittles. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, if I may, segueing quickly from football, we are two weeks out from the Texas Tech Red Raider basketball season, okay? Uh, and I, for one, could not be more excited. We're, we're coming off of a, a national runner-up season, as everyone knows. Um we had rankings come out, I believe, yesterday. We're ranked 13th in the nation preseason. Um, that's about where I probably expected. You know, Tech doesn't get a whole lot of credit. Usually uh, we lost some some big players, but I, for one, couldn't be more excited. I think that we're going to be fantastic this year uh, from a talent perspective. I have the, all the confidence in the world in Chris Beard leading this team. Um, but what are your thoughts on the season? Uh, I know you guys are excited, but uh, – Give me, give, give me a, a little snapshot of what you're thinking about. I think this is the year of Moretti. I, I think we're about mm. to see this boy take over the program. Dominique de Moretti. And I, I, I'm just so excited for him. He really showed he, – he stepped up last year, especially as a leader, like a strong leader for this Texas Tech team, especially when it mattered in March Madness. He made some absolute clutch uh, three-point shots to keep us in that game against Gonzaga. Um, yeah, I really think he shines this year. I think he was, uh, he's been looked at for a few awards, but, um, I don't think he's getting enough credit. And I think we, we might see another NBA, uh, star come out of this, uh, this season. Yeah, I think we could, you know, we saw a few preseason, um, awards. I think Moretti was on the preseason big 12 honorable mention list, uh, along with Jumias Ramsey. And I believe Chris Clark as well. Uh, we saw, I think I think Moretti was on the Bob Cousy award watch list. I know that Chris Clark was on the Julius Irving award watch list for power forwards. I think Chris Clark is going to have a fantastic year this year, transfer from Virginia Tech. I think he is going to absolutely ball out. Um, But I'm going to make a bold statement. Our big player this year, in my opinion, at least a second team Big 12 player, Jemias Ramsey. I think Jemias Ramsey in his first year, Shows why he's the five-star recruit that we got. 
I think that he shows why he's the one of the best players in Texas. I cannot wait to see this kid play this year. Oh, yeah, he's got everything that we want from a talent perspective. I don't think that's a, a leap at all, Evan. I, I think we see this guy get developed by Chris Beard, start playing some incredible defense because, you know, as great of a scorer as he is, we know that Chris Beard recruits for defense. So, you know, I just want this team to mesh together because that's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, but I, from what I've been hearing from their press conferences, it seems like this team's coming together pretty quickly. Absolutely. And I, I don't, I'm sorry, Ryan, I'm jumping here one more time for your thoughts, but let's not forget about Kyler Edwards. This, this guy's coming back with a chip on his shoulder. He's ready to lead this team along with Moretti as well. He's had the biggest experience possible in big 12 basketball going to a national title um, title game. And I think Kyler Edwards is, is really going to be a team leader this year. And I can't wait to see what he does either. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think the most exciting thing for me as well is the newcomers to the team. I mean, obviously, I can't wait to see Moretti, but I, I love what, you know, Chris Beard has dedicated himself to, which is bringing in these transfers. And Chris Clark, as you guys have pointed out, I mean, I think he's poised to have an unbelievable year here at Texas Tech. We've shown what happens when, uh, you know, a player comes over and Chris Beard starts developing them to their full potential with Tariq Owens and Matt Mooney. And to see Chris, uh, Chris Clark come out this year, I mean, they're already ranking him as preseason newcomer of the year for the Big 12, rightfully uh, so. And I just can't wait to see what, you know, Beard comes out with in this crazy defense and turnovers and beating up on these first five shitty teams the first five games of the season. I can't wait for it to start. Hey, man. You know who I think is a dark horse this year? Avery Benson, my guy <laughs> from Arkansas. Sure. I, th- I, I, re- I mean, aside from the dude's hustle, I mean, I think that he out-hustles every single person on the court. Um, but I just watching him in the, in the tournament in the Bahamas, um, as well as just some practice footage, I think that he is going to be an integral part of this team, almost kind of like a, a – cheerleader. Like a, well, almost like a Norris Odiase type guy, like the guy that you know is going to go out there and absolutely uh, put his body on the line every single play to give his team a chance to win. I expect every Benson to foul out every single game. That guy is, <laughs> that is an absolute dog. I, I will never forget that play where the, I think Tech, Tech had won the game by like 10 points. This is against maybe Baylor, and he lobs up an alley-oop with like maybe like three seconds left. It was to Andrew Sorrells. Yeah, just. just uh, I don't remember what game that was against, but I remember that Chris Beard wasn't happy about that it. That was <laughs> that was hilarious to see him on the bench you, freaking out. You know what else I'm excited about? Uh, the literal big freshman that we have, the seven footer, the Russian. Rush, I love, Tesla. yeah, Russell. I I mean, I like when Tech has a big guy in the paint. You know, yeah. we need that. Protect the rim like we had with Tariq and Norwins last year. And, you know, this freshman, I just want to – he's massive. He's seven foot, 260. I want to see him fucking push people around. We yeah, also have Andre Savrasov from uh, St. Petersburg, Russia, who's 6'7". So we got we got some – and we got TJ Holyfield. I mean, we got we got a lot of height. This yeah, is the, I mean – This is the biggest Andre, team I've seen. Andre's a sharpshooter, no doubt. And, and TJ was one of the highest recruited transfers um, – that we are or graduate transfers that we were lucky to land from SFA. I think we got a ton of talent boys rolling in and let's not forget about the other newcomers. Uh, Terrence Shannon jr. Oh, yeah, I was going to bring him up. Yeah. That, that, that cake and ball. No question about it. Uh, Clarence Nadolny, um, awesome point guard. We're going to see him get some good minutes this year. I'm really excited about our depth this year. I mean, I think we got some really good depth. We're a young team. 
Um, but we got some guys coming back that can lead us. Uh, you know, at the top of the list, obviously, our head coach, Chris Beard, he knows what he's doing. Mark Adams coming back, defensive guru. I cannot wait for Texas Tech basketball. You know, I love what Chris Beard said. He says, yes, we are young. Yes, we have a lot of freshmen. But time comes December, they will not be considered freshmen anymore. That's right. That's what he was saying. That's, that's Honestly, all... that's a great way to put it. Yeah, they, they, they should not be considered freshmen anymore is what he said. And, you know, I totally believe that. It's it's just what I need to see from Texas Tech is to see this team mesh together like last year's. Because last year's was something special. It seemed like everyone was best. Actually, we could go back several years. It seems like everyone's best friends. Everyone is looking out for one another, trying to play, you know, taking hits for one another, taking charges. Um, just the way that Chris Beard and his staff has been able to make, you know, this team just all brothers. Um, absolutely yeah and, and i think you made another good point too with like you know they are young they're gonna age but i think a great part of that is having good veteran leadership and i think moretti like leads that off and chris clark i mean i think he can be a leader on this team i think he can really do something special and, TJ and you know like you said Ho- holyfield was a player at sfa he was good yeah and i, mean, I go ahead chris i'm sorry oh, I, I was just didn't we have another player that i'm you know, blanking on his name, but we were waiting to see if he was eligible to play this year. Uh, I think you're thinking of Kevin McCuller. Yeah. More than likely, that was last year, I oh, think. Oh, no, Kevin I'm McCullough. talking about this year, man. I'm talking about this year. We, um, we were waiting on eligibility oh, oh, oh. of one player. Oh, um, uh, the the UNLV transfer. Yes. Oh, gosh, I'm going to blank on his name right now. Hang on. It's not Tyreek Smith. Let's not forget about him either. Uh, decommit from AM that came over. Can't wait to see him play. Uh, oh, Joel, Joel Natombe. Yes. Joel, Joel Natombe. And that guy can absolutely ball as well. And I don't think I've heard an official verdict on him yet, but even if he can't play this year, he's going to be a, he's going to be a great player for, for the next few years at Tech. I, I think that is a huge addition. If we can get them, if, yeah. if it becomes I, eligible, that is a huge addition. I mean, I mean, just looking at what he did last year at UNLV, he's averaging 12 points, five and a half rebounds, and shooting 39% from three as a true freshman, uh, standing six foot nine. I mean, you're right. That's a great addition. That if we yeah, get him on the yeah I, I would be absolutely stoked. I think Chris Beard has a very, very beneficial problem on his hands. And it's, who's going to work in the rotation? He's got too much talent. Yeah, this is probably the first time since he's been a head coach at Texas Tech, that he's had this issue. This is the first time at Texas Tech since Bob Knight that I can remember having this issue. Do you remember uh, when Kentucky, with they had the Twins and Anthony Davis, when they ran the, they call it the platoon, the platoon swap, and they go five and sub out five? Imagine if we did that. Oh, man, that'd be in- insane. Speaking of Kentucky, I cannot wait for i believe january 25th is the date it's either the 25th or the 27th when kentucky comes to town 25th to go to united spirit arena for the sec big 12 showdown i've never been more excited for a basketball game besides a national championship i am so pumped to go to that game and i mean the the everyone around the country is too it got ranked one of like the most anticipated games of the year as it should be oh man that's gonna be big that's going to be big. Well, I think that we're all in agreement that we can't wait for basketball season. We'll certainly hit on it in, in the weeks to come, especially as we get rolling into the season itself. Before we segue off, a um, couple of Red Raiders in the NBA. 
Um, it, you know, I was a little disappointed to see, you know, we saw Norris and Tariq and Matt Mooney all get waived by their respective teams. I hope that they can work their way back into a rotation. If I had to guess, they'll probably develop their skills in a G League and hopefully come back. But how about our boy Jarrett Culver impressing all the veterans and coaches alike with the with the Timberwolves? I think that he is going to be an incredible, incredible addition to that squad, to the league in general. And with Zion Williamson hurt for the first, I believe, eight weeks of the season, don't be surprised to see Mr. Culver's name in the race for Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's doing everything right. We know that, you know, Jarrett's going to fit well into any team on the in the NBA. He's a team guy. He's going to play, you know, defense because Chris Beard, you know, pounded that into him. Any team would be lucky to have Jarrett Culver. And I agree with you, Evan. Look out for Jarrett as Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's looking great from three right now. He's wet. <laughs> he is, man. I mean, he... He is he is playing really really well, and I've read multiple articles, you know, um, from from players on on his team as well as coaches alike that he's impressing everybody. If you look at from from Carl Anthony Towns to Jeff Teague to Andrew Wiggins to to all across the board, they're all saying Jarrett Culver's the real deal, and he's better than we thought he was going to be, and that is about the most you can ask for as an avid Texas Tech basketball fan to see one of the fan favorites succeed at the next level when we hope that it continues into the to this regular season. Absolutely. I mean, they're talking about him being a cornerstone of the team. you got to love that. Oh, but I think that just about wraps us up with uh, basketball. Why don't we move on over to Raiders in the NFL? And kick us off, Evan. No, man. I'm going to be honest, boys. I was in Denver watching Patrick Mahomes wearing my jersey, enemy territory. Um it certainly was sad to see him go down, um, not only from my selfish perspective because I wanted to see him the whole the whole game, but um, thankfully he's he's okay and 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 hopefully it'll be a a quick injury. You know he's not going to require surgery, so it's just kind of a matter of time how quick he he can re- rehabilitate it. But I'll tell you, I was I was fortunate to watch him play, and I just happened to be recording when he threw his one touchdown pass, so that was a whole lot of fun. So get, go support Mahomes, but. He's going to bounce back, and uh, you know he's he's going to still make KC a contender this year, in my opinion. He'll be okay. Yeah, prayers out to Mahomes. I'm glad it wasn't anything serious, but he needs to take their time, you know, his own time to get 100 healthy. And you know, maybe don't make him do a QB sneak when uh, he's already injured. I was I was already scared whenever I saw them do the sneak, and then he went down, and I. I immediately knew it was him. I thought it was his ankle, to be honest. Everyone did, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there was a quote actually from the week before by the Pats' offensive coordinator. He says, you know, when it comes to the QB sneak, there's an inherent willingness and courage to send your body in there with a bunch of 300-pound men, and I mean, that really proved it right there. And I'm with you, yeah. Chris. I mean, you can do that all you want, but when your quarterback's already got one gimpy leg. To try to get him to push off and shove himself through those people, that just sounds dangerous to me. Yeah. You know, but like I said, I think he'll come back. I think he'll be okay. Um, he's every bit as good as we know that he is. Just prayers that he recovers. Yeah. But Chris, and if I'm anything, not... you know, it's good. He, he gets to recover on that left ankle while he recovers on the right yeah. knee. That's come back point, 100%. Ryan. 
Uh, it is a scary injury, though. You know, it doesn't require surgery because it didn't tear anything. But a lot of times those ligaments can get weaker when you dislocate a knee like that. So they got to be careful with him. Definitely, you know, brace him up for the rest of the season and, and let him recover before sending him back out there. No doubt. You don't want to bring him back too early. You don't want to, You don't want an Alan Bowman, uh, you know, if you oh will, injury in the NFL. I mean, come on. Did we have wanna, to bring him up this episode? You don't, you don't want to bring him back too early. Now listen, sure. Mahomes is going to be Mahomes is going to be fine. I think I'll, I'll post a video of the Instagram uh, on the Instagram a little bit later this week of of the touchdown he threw is a pretty pretty cool shot. But Chris, moving on to a next Red Raider NFL, I'm going to let you hit this. How about the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? Oh boy, I think Ryan and I should both hop in on this one. Oh, I, I would be happy to. I mean, golly, jaw dropping, best looking. NFL coach in the in the history of the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury, with a 500 record. You know, I don't know if that tie does anything for it. He keeps uh, it 500. But uh, you know, just you know, racking up another win and looking great out there doing it. I, I You're mean, telling me he's more of a jaw dropper stunner than Andy Reid. Give me a break. You seen <laughs> that mustache up there? I mean, three wins in a row for Cliff. Uh hmm. you know, he started off the season with a strange tie. And then three losses, and everyone's thinking, ah, uh, these first-year NFL coaches, they always have oh, a tough boy. go. But here comes Cliffy. Three wins in a row. Granted, he's got a couple really tough ones coming up with the Saints and Niners. But, uh, I mean, I love to see him getting wins, being successful. Uh, you know, they're putting up points, and it seems like him and Kyler are meshing pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyler didn't have, you know, a great game. Uh, no interceptions, no touchdowns, 14 out of 21 for 104 yards. Um, that running back, Chase Edmonds, sheesh. Yeah, I know. And I had David Johnson on my fantasy team. Um, Me too. I hear you there, brother. Bless up. I had to lose to uh, a guy that we call Mayonnaise. But, uh, yeah. uh, Can we ask why he's called Mayonnaise, Chris? Because uh, Patty Mayo, yeah, because he's Patty Mayo. He's so he's so white that he gets burnt wearing SBF 100. <laughs> he's uh, as white as the days are long. Yes, but, that, um, and that's the one person I wanted to beat, and uh, yeah, I had to that lose. Was a tough go. I mean, Cliff tripped everybody by saying David Johnson is available if needed. Yeah, apparently, if needed, uh, if you're winning. You're not needed. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that was a tough go for that anyone that had David Jones. Anyways. Well, well, I think that about covers it. You know, we hit on the NFL, a uh, little Texas Tech basketball, football, looking to, looking ahead to Kansas. Hopefully we have a little bit better uh, emotions on the podcast next week. But, Ryan, how about you close this out, my friend? Oh, God, let's uh, beat Kansas. Uh, actually, you know what, Chris? Let's be candid. Let me get this. What's your uh, score prediction? Give me it, Chris. Oh, there you it is. Oh, boy. Man. We'll close out with that. Texas Tech wins 35-28. Evan? He doesn't like I'm, doing this, man. He will no, not do but, it. But you know what? I feel really good about this game. I really do. I think we're going to bounce back. Texas Tech 42 Kansas Jayhawks, 21. I'm going to go a little bit lower scoring than you guys. I'm going to say the defense comes back, and they shut it down. And like you said, Wells re- responds to the adversity. I think the the Jayhawks have a big letdown game after that devastating loss to Texas. I'm going to say Texas Tech, 30. Kansas, 13. 
I also want to say, and get your opinions on this, what are we expecting from the basketball team this year? Um, Go deep, baby. There, there, there's, no, there, baby. there's no other expectation besides a deep run in March Madness it's, this it's, year, my friend. It's, it's national championship. This is a national championship team right here. Oh, boy. Back to back to back. I got to figure runs. out. I would love to figure Just give me another is. crack. Give me another crack at Virginia. I want to shut Virginia down. I want Damn it. Duke, baby. Give me Duke. I want them all. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want all the smoke, as Penny Hardaway would say. I want all the smoke. Well, give us all the smoke, and I think that's about it. This has been the Raider Power Podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm Chris. And I'm Evan. And this has been the Raider Power Podcast. Guns up, baby. Guns up. Guns up, baby.